Well, as we've been looking throughout our series, one of our main goals, or you could say desires, is for the last days is that we might be hidden during tribulation, during trouble, hidden under the shadow of God's presence. Um, you know, Jesus emphasized this to his disciples in his sermon on the last days. You know, you can find that sermon, the main one we always look at is Matthew 24, but you can find it in Mark and in Luke as well. And and there's something in Luke I just wanted to look at in, in Jesus' message that he brings out that's a little different in his closing verses. Um, he includes a little different emphasis than the other two Gospels. Uh, Matthew and Mark talk about how we need to watch uh, because you don't know what hour the Son of Man is coming. But Jesus also says something that we have to watch for and seek for. And so let's read this passage in Luke 21 and verse 34. And he says, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting drunkenness, the cares of this life, so that the day come upon you at unawares. For as a snare uh, shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. You know, in one sense, Jesus says, you know, watch and pray that, that you know, you'll know where well, we won't know so that, so that we'll be paying attention in that hour that he comes because we don't know beforehand. We have to be watching and praying and be sensitive to what he's doing and his purposes in the last days. But there's another sense that we have to watch and pray that we are counted worthy to be a part of what's going on, what he's going to do in the last days, and, and especially that we escape all the, all the judgments that the scripture talks about. That's a pretty powerful phrase. Watch and pray that you be accounted worthy. That's a scary phrase, right? <laughs> that means there are some people that, you know, maybe they're, they're not accounted worthy because they're not watching. They're not paying attention. They're living life as, as Israel did at times in their history by doing whatever was right in their own eyes. Lord, help us. That's the prayer that we want to pray. Lord, I want to qualify. I want to be accounted worthy. Now, we can do all sorts of natural preparation. You know, you think about calamities, and, and not even the last days, but, you know, I mean, there's calamities we're experiencing in our nation. And, you know, here in Florida, we we know what a calamity is like in the every summer in the form of hurricane season. And so we get our, our preparations, we get our, you know, hurricane food stocked and, you know, you got, got a, maybe you got a generator and you make sure that's run, that works and maybe you got different things you prepare for, for the hurricane and so forth. Um, well, you know, they're all our thought, that thought of tribulation, we have kind of things in our mind that, well, you know, how are we going to do in the tribulation? And, um, you know, what do we have to do to get ready? You know, something we can consider um, that the Bible has a lot to say about the last days, doesn't it? I mean, it, there's, it spans many books in the New Testament and the Old Testament. There are a lot of chapters devoting, devoted to it, instructing believers. But I don't, have you ever noticed that it has nothing to say 
about hiding our wealth. It has nothing to say about storing up food. It has nothing to say about making a a bunker (laughs) that you can go in and hide out and, and so forth. But you know what it has a lot to say about? Our character. What's going on in us, inside of our hearts. And it, it, sometimes it boggles our mind when we think, man, how am I going to make it in the last days? Or what, how am I? Because we, we automatically think of the natural side of things, of how we're naturally going to get. You know what? Naturally, we're not going to get through it. It is going to be supernatural. And so, what Jesus and all of Scripture points, you know, explains to us and, and points us towards is the only way we can be prepared is be by, by being prepared in our hearts, in our lives, in our character of who we are. That's how we need to get ready. And we're going to look a little bit about at two aspects of character. Um, but I wanted to look at a kind of a premier verse you know, if you heard Pastor Bailey share on the last days, he usually included this section of verses because it was so real to him. Uh, because back in 1960, uh, as Pastor Bailey was ministering in, in Europe, and then the Lord called him to come to the United States. Well, when he first came in, in the early, you know, I think it, he said it was the year 1960 when he was coming, um, the Lord gave him these verses from Zephaniah chapter 2. And... Uh, you know, he was then the Lord spoke to him in the context of the United States and the last day revival. And, and let's just read these these verses. And so Zephaniah 2 and verse 1, he said, Gather yourselves together, yet gather together, O nation not desired, before the degree the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek the Lord. All you meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be that you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. And the Lord spoke to Pastor Bailey through this and um, about America. And he said, the Lord spoke to him, America would be like verse 1. It would go down, O nation not desired. Now that was probably pretty shocking to him at the time because he was coming in the 1960s and, you know, I mean, America and right after the war and, you know, things are booming and and so forth. That would be hard to imagine. We can imagine a little more today, (laughs) you know, um, of that thought of America coming down and not being a nation desired, being a nation despised in that sense. Um, We're kind of being, we're seeing the consequences of what sin does to a nation that was honoring God, but then ceases to do so. Um, You know, in fact, before he went to be with the Lord, someone asked Pastor Bailey, have we gone down yet? (laughs) And he said, oh no, We we still have to go down, down, down. So praise God, that's not the end of the matter. Because then he saw the nation being lifted up by God. And it was tied to that thought of revival, that God would move again in our land in revival and we would be lifted up, not through our own greatness, but through the power of the Holy Spirit because God has a plan and a purpose for our nation, thank God, and for the people of God in our nation. 
you know, that's something we can hold on to. We can have hope in. You know, we're being brought down because of sin. That's really what it's about. It's not because of politics or anything like that. And, it, and in fact, the sad thing is it's sin that started in the church. It's sin that's kind of crept into every part of our nation. But yet we're holding on to that hope. God will lift us up. But one thing we note in this verse, well, two things we note in this verse in Zephaniah is the promise of being kept and preserved in the midst of that. Because even though, you know, things happen in the nation, God's, you know, the situation of God's people can be separated as Israel and Goshen. And we considered that before. You know, there's that thought of even in judgment, even in difficulty. And for Israel, it was captivity. There is a preservation. Now, the book of Zephaniah, he was, Zephaniah was one of the last prophets to minister before Israel went into the Babylonian captivity. And so here he is warning people. His message was of preparation. Judgment's coming. And as a nation, Israel would be brought down, down, down into captivity. But then God would restore them. But in that, his message was prepare. You have to be you have to prepare for the day of the Lord's anger. And his admonition was in verse 3. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, which have brought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness, and it may be that you'll be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. And it kind of brings us back to that thought of character where Jesus you know, says in, in Luke 21, pray that you would qualify to be hidden. Pray that if may be, you know, there's no guarantees in that. It's just we're at, we're at the mercy of God. And so we want to make sure, Lord, help me to walk in a way that's pleasing to you, that my life, my heart is pleasing to you. I'm not just doing whatever right, is right in my own eyes. You know, we can understand from Zephaniah and other parts of Scripture that a large aspect of the qualification has to do with the character that's being formed, that we allow the Lord to form in us. Not that we form, but that we allow God to do. And so I want to look at these two aspects of character that Zephaniah mentions, righteousness and meekness, that we may be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger and in all, in all that will come upon the earth, not just not just so that we're hidden in the tribulation, but you know, in the troubles that we're seeing and are only going to increase in the earth. And, and so the first one, righteousness. Righteous. Basically, righteousness is doing what is right in God's sight, keeping on his, as Jesus said, the straight and narrow pathway. The pathway that is, it's a little confined because God says, this is my way, walk ye in it. And don't turn to the right or to the left. So he puts up those walls. You know, of course, that's vivid to us. We've been looking at Pilgrim's Progress in the Bible study. And, you know, he had his highway that he went and the walls were salvation. And he had to keep right in that pathway. And actually, it comes up. He got over the wall and got into a lot of trouble. So we got to keep on that straight and narrow pathway. And, but the first aspect is righteousness. This thought, and, and I like Webster's, the old version of Webster's. I think this is like the 
whatever version. But I liked his, he said, righteousness means that one is just according to the divine law. You can't, you won't read that today in a modern dictionary. Webster was a, was a Christian. He knew that you can only be righteous with God. You can't be righteous according to man's law. You can only be righteous according to God's divine law. And so we have to be, you know, careful of this thought of righteousness because there's two aspects to it. You know, we're righteous only because of God. We have no righteousness of our own. When we try to come up with our own standards and our own way of righteousness, it, it never works. It's only through Christ. Paul said in Romans 3 and verse 10, there is none righteous. No, not a single one. There's not a single human being on this earth that is righteous in that sense, because there's only one way of righteousness, and that is Christ's. There's none that understands. There's none that seeks God on his own. It's only through Christ. Also, Isaiah 64 and verse 6, we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousness is as filthy rags compared to God's righteousness. There might be people that are good, that have a sense of right and wrong, but if they don't know Christ, their righteousness is as filthy rags compared to his because it's their own righteousness. We can only walk in the righteousness of Christ. That's the only righteousness that matters. The only right way is the way Christ shows us. And when we come to Christ, he covers us in his blood and his righteousness. And we're justified in his sight because of his righteousness coming upon us. And so that's the concept. You know, some people say, you know, don't be, you know, coming up with your own form of right, you know, being righteous is being coming up with your own form. No, we're talking about walking in the righteousness of Christ, taking his righteousness upon us. But, you know, then once we're in our journey, as we've been looking at it, Pilgrim's Progress, you know, Christian is on, on the pathway of righteousness and it's up to him and it's up to us to continue on that pathway, to stay in the way of righteousness because our Christian life is a journey of continually doing what's right in God's sight. We walk by faith, not by our sight. And that faith comes by hearing a word from God. And when we obey that word of faith, he causes us to walk in his righteousness. That causes us, right? That obedience to that faith causes us to walk in his righteousness, doing what's right in his sight. In fact, obedience, I was struck by something Pastor Bailey said. He said, obedience is an expression of righteousness. When we do what's right, it is we're expressing his righteousness in our lives. That's how we can, you know, be righteous before God. You know, there, there's the righteousness of Christ that we did, we did zero in that sense. We came to him and he gave us his righteousness, but now we're walking in his righteousness and we're, we can express that in our life by obedience, obeying the truth. Romans 1.17 says, for herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it, is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. When we hear a word from God and we obey that, righteousness shines forth from our lives. Each time we make a, a right decision, as we obey his words of faith, righteousness is developed. 
And so there's a, a wonderful reward laid up for us as we walk in, in the way of righteousness. You know, Paul talks about a crown awaiting uh, us. And well, it was his crown, but it's an example for all of us. Second Timothy, two, or Second Timothy 4, verse 7, where he's talking about the end of the matter for his pathway. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Not, me, not just to me, but to all them that love his appearing. And by implication, those who do as he did, obey God day by day step by step. And there was a crown of righteousness awaiting him and us. And even though it's the righteousness of Christ that we need to develop, you know, there's an aspect we understand that it, it must be developed in our lives. It has, to, it has to be formed in us. You know, each of us has to be able to stand fully in the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of others won't help us, will it? You know, we might have righteous people, righteous friends. You know, we could be in a good church. We can be in a righteous family. But they're not going to be there at the throne of God in that sense. Well, they'll, maybe they'll be nearby, but it'll just be us and the Lord that we will have to show our lives for his approval. And, and in the context of tribulation, that's, a, that's true as well. You know, when Israel was going to go through tribulation, the Babylonian captivity, one of the prophets of the captivity was Ezekiel. Ezekiel said this, or the Lord said this through Ezekiel in, in 14 and verse 14. He said, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were, were in this situation, in the captivity, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, says the Lord. And that's a profound thought because they were some righteous individuals. They obeyed God. They walked with Him. They followed Him. Noah saved all of mankind and preserved his family and, and animals and, and so forth. He was the most righteous man in his generation. Daniel was an example of righteousness in the midst of Babylon. You know, Job was righteous in the midst of his extreme trials and obtained the double portion. But Ezekiel's bringing out that in a time of judgment... We only stand on our own righteousness. You know, the, it was only the righteousness of these three men that would preserve their own soul. And, and that kind of tells us something about the last days is we have to have the righteousness of God developed in us through obedience to the faith day by day by day. And that will allow us, will give us opportunity to be hidden in the day of God's anger. We can't do it overnight. It takes just a life of walking and obeying Him. Although I think God can do a quick work in us. He's going to do a quick work in the lives of a lot of people who come to Him. But yet we have to cry out, Lord, develop Your righteousness in me. And then quickly, one last thought is meekness. Meekness. Meekness comes from the Greek word or uh, in the New Testament. The Greek word used is praus, meaning tame or mild. It's the thought of a horse that's been, you know, tamed. You know, we use the word broken. I don't think that's a good word. They're just, they're tamed and they learn to submit to the will of the writer, the master. 
you know, in no, wor- in no way will we consider a horse that's been tamed at being weak. If you've been around a horse and stand next to them, that they are intimidating. And when you get on one, you're like, please be gentle, <laughs> be nice, because they're powerful. And hopefully they're tame. If they're not tame, then you're in trouble. You get on a horse that's not meek, they cause a lot of destruction. And so the Lord is saying, if you, I want you to be a useful horse, so to speak, or you know, animal, creature, a part of his creation. And the only way that we can be useful is be, by being tame and submitted to him, which is meekness. Jesus is meek. It's a, it's a part of who he is. He, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he, he said, Come unto me, I am meek and lowly in heart. That is what he, how he wanted to be known. You know, one of the great things we celebrate about Christ coming to earth is the resurrection. He ascended unto heaven. You know, he ever lives to intercede on our behalf. But how did he obtain? How did he rise up in the resurrection? It was by first descending, by first coming to earth and being a, a man. And, you know, his whole life was one of meekness, of surrendering to the will of his father. Every step he took was one of meekness. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And there's no limit to what Christ can do through us if we will submit ourselves fully to his will. That's where it comes back to that thought of faith, right? You know, Jesus said uh, many times, he said, if you say to this tree or you say to this mountain, be removed, it'll be removed. There becomes nothing impossible if we're walking in the meekness of a life of faith. You know, faith and meekness kind of go hand in hand because we hear a word from God, then it needs meekness to submit to that light and easy yoke of that word that he's speaking to us. Now, one one last thought about this that I was kind of quickened with this thought of meekness. Sometimes you have to show the opposite to to get a good picture of what you're talking about. Um, You know, the opposite of meekness is stubbornness. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, that's something we suffer with. That's, that's the, I think that's one of the greater maladies of mankind. We can be stubborn. Even as Christians, we, you know, that, that's a hidden one that can crop up and we don't even realize it till we're reacting. We're already reacting with stubbornness. Um, we have to be careful of that, especially comes, when it comes to our walk with God and being qualified to being hidden. Um, Pastor Bailey shared a story in his book of a father and son and the son could be a little stubborn. And he, the son had a, a, he was very talented, but he had a, a job in the government. And the father kind of was looking ahead at his career. And he said, son, you take these tests right now and get qualified. And when you, if you pass these tests, you'll be ready for a promotion. And, you know, the, the son had his stubborn streak going. And he said, Dad, I don't want to take those tests. I'm not going to take them. Well, the story goes 20 years later, he's like, man, I haven't been promoted yet. I need to get promoted. And he thought, I never took those tests. (laughs) And he came to the place where he he realized he should have listened to his father. You know, he shouldn't have been so stubborn because it kept him. And and there's that thought. Meekness is is having an opening, open and yielding spirit to God. 
to his pathway. And when we have that, it brings promotion. It brings increase. It brings furtherance. It removes obstacles so we can go on with God. But stubbornness, what, what's the picture of stubbornness? It just stops us, right? And yeah, it's, when you think of stubborn, you, don't you instantly get a picture of someone trying to drag a mule or a donkey along a pathway and you know, you, you think of them, they got their reins and, and as soon as it's almost like instinct, as soon as some, now I've never had a donkey, I've never ridden one or anything. I just seen them on TV, you know? So, but you, you, someone grabs it and it's almost like instinct. Even if they want to go that way, someone's pulling them. So they just dig their, their hooves in and they just, you're not pulling me. The donkey usually wins unless, unless you're stronger than a donkey, but I, I have to be a little guy. You know, it becomes a tug of war match and the donkey wins, which is kind of scary when it thinks of stubbornness. When it relates to our pathway, it's a terrible and scary thing because if we get in a tug of war match with God, we don't want to win. We want to lose. But how often have we won that tug of war match with God because we were stubborn and we resisted what you know, and it could have been with someone else. And because, it, you know, here's another one of our problems. Because it's not a divine word from heaven, God didn't open the sky and write in it for what us to do. That usually bypasses our stubbornness because it's like, I better do that or I'm in trouble. But maybe God speaks through someone else. And because someone's suggesting something we do, we dig our heels in. I don't want to do that. You're telling me what to do. Lord, help us. Because there's no, there's no winners when we get into that tug-of-war match with stubbornness. But meekness, meekness opens the door. It clears the way. It allows us to go forward. Meekness is represented by a horse that responds to each command, each little touch, each little, you know, a, a, a good horse can almost just sense where the master wants to go. It doesn't need the, the spurs and the reins to be jerked one way. Only the ones that aren't meek require that. But meekness is that wonderful picture of someone who can be led and who can respond. You know, it's like that beautiful picture of Revelation 14, that group in heaven upon Mount Zion. And why one part of why they're there is that they were those who followed the lamb wherever he led them. And that means they are meek. They responded in meekness whenever he gave a gentle touch or, you know, it's God's, God's merciful. Sometimes he'll tell us multiple times, you know, <laughs> it needs to get through, but we need meekness because God is going to lead us in a day and we cannot afford to play tug of war with him. Lord, deliver us from our stubborn human spirits. Make us meek, we pray. And so there's this awesome thought I want to leave us with that in the last days, we have to qualify to be hidden. Lord, help us to qualify. Jesus said, pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape. And how can we pray and how can we be found worthy? By developing the character of Christ that he's looking for. Lord, help us to develop righteousness. Make us those who will do what is right in your sight. 
Each time we hear a word of faith and we obey it and we're established in the way of righteousness and we become like the just who live from faith to faith to faith. And Lord, put your meekness within me, within us. Lord, help us to be sensitive to, and to submit to your leading, not to be like the horse or the mule that have to get yanked along with the bit and the bridle. You know, another, another example is like the sheep. You know, the sheep doesn't even need the bridle, which is nice. They just respond to the voice of the master, to his touch. And if we develop these qualities, it may be that we will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Lord, we just pray for that. We look to you that you would work within us. Lord, we just come to you in, in the fear of the Lord. Lord, crying out that we would be those, we would be among those who are hidden in you, hidden in your presence, hidden under the shadow of the Almighty in that day of tribulation that is coming upon the earth, but in that day of, of our, our tribulation that we can be hidden in you. Lord, we ask that you would work within us in this way. Put righteousness within us. Lord, help us to always do and to focus upon what is right in your sight, not our own sight. Show us where we're doing whatever we would want to do at the expense of your will. Lord, we want to follow you. Lord, even put meekness within us. Lord, help us to, to respond to your leading and to, to yield to you, Lord. Cleanse away any tug of war that would take place within us. And we pray you would win in our hearts. And we thank you. We look to you. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.